0: We need to see people who, who we have some, something in common with, right? We need to see people who are like us in some important ways, act as possibility models to show us that the life that we want is possible for ourselves.
2: Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult the medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy!
1: Welcome to episode 306. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have the interview that we were supposed to have last week with Shanae. We actually just finished re-recording this episode when we're recording this intro, uh, and it was incredible. Shanae is an educator, coach. She's an all-around badass human, and we just have such a fabulous conversation with her today.
2: Yeah, we are stoked to be... I mean... I actually nobody knows this. I accidentally deleted that other content. So we don't even
1: joke about that. So
2: we could do this again because (laughs) it was so amazing. Don't joke about that. Okay. (laughs) No. But
1: both. But talking to her twice was actually like they were incredible conversations. Both of them.
2: Yeah, this conversation is a mix of her personal story and so much. Uh, teaching education. Yeah.
1: Just yeah. She's been possibility modeling. Yeah. That's included too. That'll be, a, <laughs> that'll be a
2: theme you'll hear again. This is one giant episode of look at the possibilities of your life.
1: Yeah. She's been non-monogamous for well over a decade, almost 15 years now, and just has a lot of experience and wealth of knowledge to share.
2: Yeah. So please check out her work. Links are in our podcast player show notes or in our podcast show notes on our website, normalizingonmonogamy.com. Click on the podcast tab, or again, in your podcast player down below, there is a direct link. You can see, again, links to all of Shanae's work, photos of Shanae, and links to all of the resources mentioned in this episode, including the upcoming book, uh, by Evita Sawyers, previous guest of the show as well.
1: That we talk about in this interview. That we
2: talk about here. Yes. So, again, a huge thank you to Shanae, and a huge thank you to all of you for being here and listening and supporting the amazing work.
1: For anyone who's a premium subscriber, we're going to jump right into the interview with Shanae right now. And for anyone else, we're going to go through our announcements. We got some exciting ones today. First up, if you're not familiar with a premium subscription, it's a way to skip these announcements up front. You get the important details in the outro, but you get to skip these announcements and jump right into the interview. To sign up for as little as a couple of dollars a year, go to our website, normalizingnominogamy.com, and scroll down on the homepage. You can find links there. We also.
2: I was just going to say a quick thing
1: about that. Oh, go for it. Sorry.
2: If you're listening to this and you're one of those, we see you, one of those people who leaves comments on our YouTube or on our podcast episodes that says, hey, great episode, but the actual content starts eight minutes in. When you say that, also post a link to sign up for the premium subscription so people know there's a way out of that. <laughs> and, yes, there's a way. And to you that's about to post that comment... You sign up for the premium (laughs) subscription and you don't have to make your comments.
1: Yeah, exactly. All
2: right. Carry on. I'm not bitter.
1: Tonight. That's September 20th, 2023. We have our virtual meet and greet for September. We had taken a break of these from these virtual meet and greets for the summer, but they're back and we're so excited. We can't wait for tonight and to have so much fun with all of you. You can still sign up you, on our website, go to normalizingnonmonogamy.com and go to the events tab and you can sign up there. And if for some reason you're listening to this and it's after September 20th. Don't worry, there'll be more. You can still sign up for future meet and greets.
2: Yeah, the plan is to continue doing these monthly from here until eternity.
1: And if you're not familiar with virtual meet and greets, these are open to anyone. You just must be open-minded and respectful. These are two-hour events where we do some icebreakers and questions in the beginning, and then we split you into Zoom breakout rooms, give you a talking point, Give you five to seven minutes to talk about that in a small group, bring you back to the main room, scramble them all up, give you a new talking point and do it again. Yeah. Over and over again.
2: Over and over for two hours.
1: They're super, super fun. And we've been doing these for a number of years now and just are excited to bring them back tonight.
2: Yeah, and I maybe would just throw one more piece on there, which is one of the things that Shanae talks about a lot today in this conversation is the power of community, the power of learning from those around you, the power of having support and how that's transformed her journey. And and I will say it's transformed our journey. And so these, these events are a really amazing way to find other people around the world who are doing something similar to what you're doing. Maybe it's not exactly that. Maybe you're brand new. Maybe they've been doing it for a decade or maybe you've been doing it for a decade and they're brand new. It doesn't matter. We're we're sort of all in this together and we just love to embrace that. Yes. And- On that note- We have other ways to maybe embrace the community. And that is our paid virtual community. It's $5 a month. And with that, you get an online platform, an app that you can be in all day, every day. It's a mix between a forum and a chat platform. There's people posting fun photos. There's support channels. There's all sorts of amazing things. Pictures of dogs, food, all of the things. Not dog food, (laughs) but dogs and food. Yes. Two separate
1: channels.
2: (laughs) But anyway, they're an amazing place to get support and to find peers and others like you who are out there trailblazing.
1: Yes. For more information and to sign up for the community, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com and click on the community tab. You can find out all the information there. It's only $5 a month and we would love to have you join us. Also, while you're on our website, go over to the resources tab, find our favorite way to get tested for STIs, the service that Finn and I use and have loved for a long time, STD. Check.com. Using the links on the resources page, you can get a discount. Making a 10-panel test only $129. This is a super fast, efficient, discreet way to get tested for STIs and know your sexual health status as you go and meet other people.
2: Yes, which if you've listened to the show before, you know is a foundational thing that we believe in, which is knowing your sexual health status and sharing that with the people that you are meeting and engaging with and greeting and greeting (laughs) yeah so please check that out using those links does help support the show financially so thank you in advance for that
1: and while you're also on our website reach out to us send us a voicemail send us an email we'd love to hear from you just go to the contact us page and with that let's go
2: one, one more thing what you you could definitely come on the show yourself yes you don't have to be an amazing educator like shanae you can just be yourself.
1: In and any, in any way, whoever you are.
2: Whoever you are. And the other thing you could do is let me know what you think of the website tweaks.
1: Yes. I
2: made some I made some subtle changes, <laughs> and I'd love your feedback. All right.
1: And with that, let's go talk to Shanae.
2: All right. Well, welcome back. <laughs> welcome back, Shanae. <laughs> Everyone's like, welcome back. We don't remember Shanae. Well, that's because we've actually interviewed her twice to get this because we had some technical snafus. So welcome back. Thank you for doing this again. We're happy to be here.
0: Absolutely. It's my pleasure. We should have known better to try to both record and produce a podcast while everything is retrograding. So I'm just going to imagine that for whatever reason, we have to rerecord this. It's supposed to be. Yes,
1: it's all aligned. And this (laughs) conversation, like, there was something that must have been amiss with the previous conversation.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, you guys, I absolutely hate that part in the podcast where somebody hasn't turned off some of their alerts and you hear computer noises. So give me one moment to turn off those annoying alerts. All right, I think we're good. All right, sweet.
2: So we are going to try again. We're going to try again with. no retrograding. I don't know. Are we still retrograding? I don't follow any of the grades retro or
0: Mercury actually exit retrograde yesterday, which is why today was the good day.
2: All right. Well, then I feel confident. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it didn't appear to be bothering me too much, but I, I didn't know. I didn't know it was impacting me in the way that was. I've also never impacted.
0: had a podcast totally disappear like that. So, like. Uh, Yeah, that's true this is the first time
2: so i've probably been that's probably where all the missing shit i've had over the last 37 years 36 years has gone it just retrogrades right out of my life including
0: adding a year to your age yeah i just lost a whole
2: year right now just in the last 30 i
0: consistently ask people how old i am i'm like i'm 36 and i always say like questioningly like how old are I'll like be like to my partner, like how old are you? Cause I know how old I am relative to how old you are. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you need that reminder. <laughs>
2: perfect. Well then, then maybe let's pick up there. Shanae, where, let's introduce you once again to everybody who didn't get to hear it the last time that you never published.
0: <laughs> All right. So I am, my name is Shanae Jackson Kendall. I am a black pansexual polyamorous mom, wife, partner, event planner, coach, um, I, this is my hard work. So um, I am a native of Atlanta, Georgia, and I still live here in the metro area. I am, I live in a mostly nested polycule, which means there are four of us in two homes. And my partners and I have a son who is eight and who is the absolute light of our lives. I love it. Yes. Yes. I'm so excited to
1: dive into this conversation again. I'm like, I'm remembering bits and pieces of it, but I'm so excited for this again. And I I want to say too, I think we're all similar ages. I just want to
0: point that out. Like,
2: Yeah, and the, if that, we can just make it up on the fly. We've done that in just a minute ago <laughs> too.
0: And usually I will say that, so, you know, as we get into like who I am. So for, you know, some positioning in life, I'm 36 years old. I've been with my longest standing partner since I was, 21 and we've been polyamorous the majority of our life of our lives together including when we got married right so I think that that's like a very important distinction lots of couples um as they, their approach to non-monogamy non-monogamy is covered by the fact that they began in a monogamous relationship of some kind that they are now trying to transition to non-monogamy. And so while we did have a brief period of monogamy, the majority of our relationship has been monogamous. And I think that that colors my non-monogamous journey quite a bit.
2: Totally. Mm -hmm. And and also we could, so we are the same age, Mm -hmm. all of us are the same age and we we have that in common (laughs) that we've basically been non-monogamous pretty much since the beginning. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious, how did it, how did it come up for you and your partner back, back then?
0: Well, um, so I was raised evangelically, um, very Christian, right? And so a lot of who I am, um, who now I've never been confused about who I am to be clear, but I've never <laughs> felt I've like the polyamory, the pansexuality, all of that. I, you know, 10 year old Shanae probably given the language could have told you that about myself. Um, I spent a lot of time questioning whether I liked boys, not whether I liked girls. Right. So that was m- my thing. Um, but I wasn't raised in a place where it was okay to be either of those things. Right. And so I started questioning, who, you know, who do I want to be in the world and how do I want to show up when I was around 19. And, you know, I came fully into that at 21. I left the super Christian faith I was raised in. Um, very culty. Um, so much love for, for my family that I am so very close to and lots of the people who shaped who I am. Right. I, I, I focus a lot on the fact that we can't be who we are today if we weren't all those other people we used to be. Um, so I do absolutely love all those other versions of Shanae, Um, but I know for me, the conversation, the conversation with my now husband started when I told him I was bisexual, probably like less than a year into our relationship. And he was like, duh, I know that. Right. (laughs) And so (laughs) it was very, duh, I know that. And then we took a very classic, um, approach to trying out non-monogamy. We just did it much faster than a lot of people do. Like I find that people like married people often like get into non-monogamy via like, oh, we'll have the occasional threesome or we'll go to swingers clubs or, you know it's often projected as a purely sexual thing um and that just wasn't something that was fulfilling um for my husband or i and so we basically one day looked up and had a girlfriend um quite like that's really what happened we realized like the relationship that we thought was just like fun sex and games like oh wow she hasn't been home in several weeks right <laughs> um she has a key we're having these like group conversations about feelings like what does this look like and so Once I found myself in a triad for the first time, I was like, wow, maybe I need to look into the words and the language. Um, So in the timeline of my life, those conversations were like 25, Um, maybe 20, 24, 25. Um, So as we started having those conversations, it became clear to us that we were both polyamorous very naturally. Um, It fit very well. Like when we looked back on our like (laughs) romantic history before we even met each other, that made perfect sense. Yeah. Um, and so I began identifying and we began being very publicly polyamorous quite early in our relationship.
1: Starting with that triad. Right. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm curious, you, you kind of said that you, it almost sounds like you're on the fast track of you woke up one day with a girlfriend and we're in a triad. But I'm curious, the the lead up to that, even if it was only a few weeks, the the initial steps of, cracking open a closed relationship even coming out as bisexual i would imagine coming out of the religion that you did like all of those maybe they were fast steps but i would are were they big steps for
0: you so i am a person who does not at all subscribe to the idea of coming out I'm going to also note that I realize that there's a lot of privilege inherent in that, right? Mm -hmm. There's privilege to say, but one of the things that when I like my vision of the world for my child or children is absolutely that no one will assume who they are, right? Mm -hmm. We only have to come out because people assume that you are heterosexual. People assume that you are monogamous. And so I have never had a coming out conversation with anyone, Um, lots of people in my life simply met my girlfriend and then they were left to do the math. Right. And you, I've also never come out as polyamorous. You simply meet my multiple partners and you're like, Oh wow, look at this thriving marriage. My husband and I will have been together for 15 years and married for 10 next year. And like all of my relationships, both platonic and romantic tend to last a long time. Um, so Thankfully, nobody has had anything to say to me, but I am always welcoming of anyone who does want to ask questions. Because ask away, we're good over here. Um, so I, I just simply haven't had. I haven't. It wasn't a hard process for me because I didn't feel like I needed to tell anybody. I am a self-supporting adult who can do what I want, and so I simply have.
2: Yeah, and it makes sense then why when when you had the conversation with your your husband or your partner at the time to say yeah I'm bisexual. It was a duh like it sounds like you just sort of live who you are and the world can the world can accept it or they can not, but that's not really on you then
0: i that's absolutely a good way to put it. I've been kind of exploring with one of my partners. we've been having this conversation. I was like, why do you think I don't give a fuck. Right. Like, this is a real question. Like, why do you think I don't care? I was like, do you think that's like a natural disposition I was born with? Or is it some part of like my nurturing? And, um, his viewpoint on it is that, but I've always known I was loved. And because I've always known I was loved that no, that knowledge made me feel secure in being who I am. Um, and so I will say I, I do speak a lot about the relational privilege that I have, right? Love has, um, always been present in my life, right? I can't look back on any point in my life and say I wasn't loved well. You know, I, I've always experienced familial love. I've had pretty good luck romantically. I have amazing friends that have, have had like my whole life. And so that has kind of, I, I live my life in such a way so that you're going to know who I really am. And you can make a choice about whether you want to love me or not, but you're not going to love a fake version of me. Like, I don't want that. So I just kind of live that every day. I'm like, you know, I I don't have much like ability to break myself into little pieces, nor do do I have the desire. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm there's only one me. And uh, as we talk, you'll realize like how that comes up for me a lot in the way that I approach polyamory. There's only one me.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think what's really amazing about that, and as you were saying that, I was thinking, so so one of the things that we've gone through many times in therapy is how do we find the begin who who wronged who first to start the cascade, right? And you could every time I'm like, well, but you did this, and then I'm will be like, but you did this. And we just we could go back and forth till till we're blue in the face. We're never gonna find the beginning. And I, so, something similar with what you're saying is you you had always Maybe felt you were loved or known you were loved, and that gives you a little more confidence, a little more ability to not give a fuck. But I'm also, I feel like there's a feedback loop of if you if you're not really showing who you are, do you ever really believe that you're loved for you, right? And so if I'm if I'm walking around masking all day long, trying to be who people want me to be, and I, apparently people love me but I know I'm not really being me. Have I really accomplished being loved for who I am? And like, so it's it's like, to me, I'm like, where do you find the beginning thread?
0: It's, the, it's absolutely a chicken or egg situation. That's a really yeah. good point, right? Like if I know that I'm only giving you 70% of me, mm-hmm. I then have to question whether you're, whether you owe, what would happen if I gave you that other 30%, right? Yep. And so I'm walking around doubting this love, right? But I show up. As me. Right. (laughs) And you know, sometimes I am, I am a lot. Right. And for some people I am too much. And for them, I tell them to go find less.
1: Yeah. We don't vibe That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Perfectly
0: (laughs) fine. Yeah. 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 That
2: is amazing. And so the, thank you for that, by the way, Mm -hmm. like that's just an amazing foundation to like leap off from. And so I'm curious then as you, you woke up in a triad and then you started figuring out the conversations and these are not theoretically conversations most of us grew up with and I would imagine growing up in, in the religion, you probably didn't have a lot of that. How did you, how did you navigate it and how did it look?
0: So I think there are good things about how I was raised and bad Mm -hmm. things that have like brought me to to where I am. But one of the things I was growing up with is the idea of chosen family. Right. It was very much like the people that love you and surround you and take care of you are your family. Um, there were some people who most of my extended family who I'm also relatively close to, they were not a part of our faith growing up. And so we had we you know, we adopted people into our family. We had I still have and have loving relationships with aunts and uncles and people who uh, other adults who were important in my life growing up. And so that foundation with the foundation of like really wanting to be who I am it never made sense to me that you got married and all of a sudden like your eyes are broken right like it it never really curled all the way over that like deciding to do certain things with you means I can't do anything else with anybody else for the rest of my life (laughs) and um you know, we live in a very sex focused community, like life, right? The world we live in is very sex focused. And I've always thought it was really odd that something we spend so small a portion of our life doing, right? Like sex is great. I fucking love sex. However, we spend so little of our time doing it, and it never made sense to me that we just des- that we define our whole lives based on who we're having sex with, right? Because like that's essentially what like monogamous marriage tells you: like, if you would like to have sex with this one person, then you must do everything with them, and anything they don't want to do, you can never do again. Um, I just I just didn't like that framing.
2: Yeah.
0: And so I you know and I write about this pretty and talk about it pretty often but what happened for me is that I fell in love with two people at the same time and I realized I would never wanted to be in a situation where I had to choose again. And so I made it, I made life decisions that made sure I wouldn't. So we kind of I I started doing research. I was like, "Well, if, if we're going to live this way, how do we do it well?" And that led to me like joining lots of online communities, doing lots of reading, like all of the, um, my husband and I are both like Uber nerds, um, go jackets. We both went to Georgia tech. <laughs> and so, you know, we started researching and learning and trying to figure out what we're doing. Um, and that kind of brought me on this journey that I, you know, I ended up being an educator, which is really funny, um, uh, because both my sisters were in education and I was like, Phew, like, I'm not working in a school. I'm not working in a college. I'm not an educator, and they they like probably laugh their ass off now that I have wound up in an educator role
2: once again. <laughs> it's, gotta, it's natural. It's yeah, natural. <laughs> now we just got to build the school for it, but that's a, that's that's further down the road. Um, I, I think one of the things you said in there was really amazing. That is, I don't know if it's a skill or it's the because, and I wasn't trying to shit on religion, right? That you kind of said like. I took a lot from religion about chosen family, and I think what what stuck out to me in that was your ability to look at a at a a concept and you pulled out of it chosen family, and I can imagine that's not necessarily how it was presented, right? And so to be able to look at the way something is spoken and say but what's what's the real lesson in this? and you pull something completely different than probably. Most of the people in your pews did um, at that time because you take away like, well, none of that really made sense. But the family piece, okay, I'm going to take that. And I imagine the religious leaders are like, "Uh, no, no. Could you take the other parts of that conversation? Those are the ones that we were hoping you'd take away.
0: Absolutely. I think, and it, but I do think it's really interesting that like what other, you know, in any time we're given something, you got to take the meat and spit out the bones. Yep. And like what I define as the meat and what you define as the meat might be different. Right. Yep. But like, so we were raised, I was raised, um, some people say very insularly. That wasn't my experience. Right. But like the idea was that you shouldn't associate with people who are not of our faith. Right but that meant that you spent all your time with people who were of our faith. So you built very close bonds, right? And so you can, you can spend your time, you can give your love, you can, you know, build businesses and build families and have traditions with people who are not your blood family. Perfect. Awesome. I'm polyamorous. Thanks. Right? Like that's, that's what has happened for me. And so, yeah, I think it is a bit of a superpower to be able to like alchemize whatever, whatever, whoever you used to be, there has, there's something beneficial that you can take into who you're going to be. Yeah. I have a question at that age, like as a, I love what you said, by the way, I just want to say that.
1: Thank you. But like as in your teenage years and then in your twenties and everything,
0: was there anybody else that you knew that was polyamorous? Oh, absolutely not. Like I didn't not only did I not have any like concept of non-monogamy, the only even knowledge of non-monogamy that I had was like there's a, a swingers club in Atlanta. Like that's it, right? But even even my idea of what it meant to be queer, right? It was there was two types of queer people. There were effeminate, slight um white men, and then there were older white Butch lesbians. Aside from that, there, there was, there was no space for high sim fat black women to be queer, right? Like that was not, that was not my experience. So, so much of like coming into myself was finding people who were like me, right? Like you can be queer without changing your gender presentation. You can be queer without like being able to be clocked, right? Like there's so many things that were part of the unlearning to get from there to here. And I think I'm just really impatient. And like, I don't like to do, if I'm going to do something, I must do it. Well, thank you. Like ADHD and like giftedness combining like Voltron, but like, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it well. And the answer to doing it well is like, Doing all the research, which is not quite true, but that was my thought process at the time, right? Um, so I set out to do it well. And really, I've been asking myself for over a decade what are indicators of polyamorous success, right? And now success is not this like finite target, it is success as I define it for my relationships, right? So I've always had an idea of like, how do I want my relationships to feel? What do I want them to bring to my life? And then I can measure whether I'm successful based on, am I, experience, am I having the experiences that I set out to have? Am I adding to others' lives in the way that I've set out to, right? Like, I think a lot of people waste a, waste a lot of time or spend a lot of time on their non-monogamous journey by not being clear on what they want or who they are. Um, and so, you know, you kind of spend times in situations that aren't for you. Um, So that has been essential to my journey, like knowing who I am and what I want. Yeah. Well, go ahead. I I wish it was that easy for
1: everyone. (laughs) It's just (laughs) like, (laughs) I love it.
2: Well, but I think too, some of that is you don't know what you don't know. And you don't know what you want sometimes until you've tasted what you don't want. (laughs) And I think there's, because we can read all the books and you can listen to all the podcasts and you can read a book and be like, this I want right. You can look at the menu and be like, I want this thing off the menu, and they bring it to you, and you're like, Well, this does not taste good. I don't know why they described it so yummy. And so, right, you you don't necessarily you
0: basically know. you basically just described the experience of every new to polyamorous couple who says they want to be in a triad. Like that's <laughs> it right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And a quad. <laughs> I, I think that's the other one: is the holy grail is we are a couple, we want to find a couple, and it's gonna be this amazing couple quad. And you're like Yep. And that's really hard to do, by the way. So
0: (laughs) it works and lasts a really long time, like all the time, like sarcasm, (laughs) fun,
2: sarcasm, (laughs) fun. Yeah. (laughs) So, so maybe building on that, how, well, first of all, how did that first triad go? And maybe what were some of the things you took away from those first Few years. First few years. Yeah. The first time they brought you your, your dish and you tasted it. How, how did you adapt?
0: <laughs> so I, I think I could say like objectively, right. Our first triad was, went really well. Right. Um, it didn't last forever. We're not still in that relationship. Um, but it was very, we were very young. Um, the person we were in relationship with was even younger and we, we didn't, we, we were figuring it out as we went along, right? It wasn't like what we set out to do, but we, you know, we took trips together and we introduced one another to each other's families. And like, we, we did a lot of groundbreaking, like we were really shaking it up in 2013, right? Like yep. when you, you know what I mean? When you think about like, based on what the world was like in 2013 and what the world looks like in 2023, um, I remember like, Celebrating with my girlfriend when I got engaged, right, she was one of my bridesmaids, right like these are the things that this is like the stuff of polyamorous dreams and and this has has been my life, so that relationship, although it ended, you know we had our like terrible like the two people are together and one person's losing their shit moments like absolutely yeah. it was me, I was the one person losing their shit <laughs> um. We, you know, so we had our like moments and and some things were hard and the breakup sucked, but overall it went pretty well. I I mentioned that. So we got married in 2014. So almost 10 years and six months before we got married, um, I met one of my current life partners and felt like madly, very, very traditionally lesbian in love. Like it was bad. Like you, it was all we needed was a U-Haul. (laughs) <laughs> um, and at that point in my life, I, I, I did not think that I wanted to have another life partner, right? I had not gotten to that place in my polyamory where it had ever occurred to me that I might one day have joint bank accounts with someone else, or that I might one day parent with someone else. Right. Like I was still very like, okay, I have, I was very like hierarchical in my thinking, going to have a primary partner. Maybe we have an additional partner and I can be okay with that. I can be open about that, but I wasn't, I was nowhere near my final form. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I met my game changer, um, six months before my marriage, I met my game changer and, um, my life and the, and the, and the way that my life would look from here on out changed because we wanted to spend the rest of our lives together. And so we did, quite frankly, like, you know, we, we, we figured it out and we made it work. Um, We decided to have a baby. My husband and I had already been together for, I think, five years we got married and we decided to have a baby shortly thereafter. He was born like 13 months after we got married. And in the time between, you know, in the time between six months before my wedding and the time my son was born, my partner moved in with us and moved from another state and moved in with us. Um, and the three of us said about early parenting, which is hell in a handbasket. And if anybody who is listening to this has a newborn, like if your child is under 18 months, I'm sending you all the positive vibes, a little bit of sleep some, like, really chilled wine that you can drink very quickly while the child is sleeping for 45 minutes. Like, it was hell. It was better because there were more of us and we were well supported. But it was a very, it was a difficult time for our family. And the three of us were still learning to work as a unit and, like, all the ways that we could do that and then what it looked like to have time independently and all that stuff. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, geez, I mean, even learning to parent with one pe- partner, yeah, two like, people. That's that's a game changer in and of itself. And then you add in navigating a new relationship. That relationship is polyamorous.
1: Getting married. L- getting
2: married. Yeah, there's a lot there. Um, I, I, oh,
1: I wanted you to ask a question, but I just want to ask a quick clarifying question. Um, in that at that moment, you got married to your husband, and you had another long term partner, you know, life partner at that time that you were building that relationship with is your husband and your life partner are they in a relationship of any sort or metamors? or how, what does that what does that relationship look
0: like so they are in a relationship now um i always fuck up the timeline about how long they've been together i think i think it was the year after their their timeline is like 6 months later right they very randomly fell in love didn't mean to it wasn't the plan that wasn't like the life we set out to have but that's what happened (laughs) okay cool I just wanted to verify that
2: no and my, my actual question was similar but a different clarifying piece which is your your partner from the first child you said she was in your wedding did I catch that right
0: That's correct. Yeah. We, so we had broken, by the time the wedding happened, Mm -hmm. we were no longer in a romantic relationship, but we were still close, which is a, something that I value. Um, Mm -hmm. I pride myself on picking people who are good for my life. And so even if our romantic relationship needs to come to an end for whatever reason, I do make every effort to keep them in my life. And so, Um, she was one of my bridesmaids and, you know, so we actually had a table at our wedding that had like quite a few of our other partners (laughs) at the wedding. (laughs) It was like half of, it was like our other partners and their plus ones. It was, it was a very, very like quietly though. Like it was a very quietly polyamorous wedding. There are like, there were 150 people there, right? Only 25 of us understand like how incredibly poly our wedding was, but it worked.
2: I love that. And that's actually what I was kind of going to, so what to take away from that is your former partner who was in the triad, your first triad was in the wedding at the same time you had just fallen in love a few months before with your current life partner and now co-parent who is now in a relationship with your husband. And all of this was happening at one wedding uh um. and you
0: you, and that's only the stuff I've shared, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 I know, I know. What you don't know is that the, the ex-girlfriend that was the bridesmaid that we just talked about was there with my comment. Anyway, long story. Um <laughs> he was her date. He's hot and he's coming to the wedding anyway. But like this this is what I mean when I say um one of the the pieces of advice that I give to my clients when I'm coaching them is there's a such thing as baby steps. But we also should begin things as we intend to continue them, right? And so what that has looked like for my polyamorous life, there's only one me, remember? So anyone who enters my sphere needs to understand that if you have a problem being around other people that I'm romantically, sexually, and emotionally connected to, you're not going to last long in my life right? Like I am not, if you are a strictly parallel person, I wish you well. I hope that your life is loving and prosperous, but we are not a match, right? Simply because the people in my orbit love me and the way that they love me is sometimes none of your damn business, right? Or the ways that they have loved me in the past or that they might love me in the future. My people are my people, Um, and so even 10 years ago, before I had the language, um, before I could tell you exactly, well, this person is a very garden party, but it's my wedding. And this person, you know, is cool with like always being a kitchen table. Like we didn't have that language at the time, but what we knew was that everybody was cool. Nobody disliked one another and a key component of polyamory that people often forget we were involved in multiple relationships with the consent and knowledge of all involved. Right. So nobody was surprised on wedding day when the other people were there. Right. So I think that has been a really important part of the way that I practice non-monogamy. Right. We're not, we're going to be as open as possible because I want you to be able to consent to being in this, in, in these dynamics and in my life with as much knowledge as I can give you. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Which takes a hell of a lot of communication. And yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I spent my entire life, my entire day, like really, what do I do? I talk, I talk to people, I talk to my partners, I talk to other people about their partners, right? Like the, I know people hear it a lot, like, oh, what do you really need to be, like, successfully non-monogamous – the best, the most important thing that you need is excellent communication skills. Like, like, and the communication skills are something that can be learned, like read books, go to therapy, like invest in, you know, learning about what it means to be an active listener. Like all these things, I, I tell polyamorous people like, no, you should be studying this because not only do you have to communicate well with one person, it's really, can you communicate well with several people, Right. You know, so a lot of times I find that people who are struggling, um, with, at whatever point in their non-monogamy, it's because they haven't honed their communication skills.
1: How long do you feel like that took you
0: to hone? I'm still getting better every day. Um, <laughs> that was what I suspected. Your answer, right? <laughs> it was no. I mean, and when I say that, I mean it. Just because it took me five or six years to understand that. It's, that's just the way that I am, was not an, a valid reason for making mistakes in the way that I was communicating, right? Like, I I am very passionate, and I tend to get really worked up in general. It's just my personality, right? And I could be, like, mildly upset about, like, not getting all flats. Like, it could be that simple, and people will think I'm having a conniption, and I'm like, no, I'm just, like, excitable. But it took me a while to learn, like, You need to communicate in ways that are effective. Controlling your tone of voice is an absolute essential way that we can communicate effectively, right? And so some people will be like, why just talk loud? Well, you talking loud is preventing us from communicating well. So now what do we do, right? But I, I think that By by choosing my partners well, my communication skills are constantly being leveled up, right? We constantly face situations and experiences where I realize like, yo, we have all handled that way better today than we might have two or three years ago because we have all like worked on our communication skills. And when I meet new people, it's very easy. I see very quickly, right? Whether do we communicate in ways that Bring peace to my nervous system, right? Do we communicate in ways that resonate with who I am as a person? Like, are you? What happens when we have a disagreement? Do disagreements turn into arguments, or can we can we figure it out in a calm conversation? Right. So that has been a really good way to like weed out people that I might otherwise date.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I thank you for all of that. I I recognize that. I think. The point I was trying to make is that you can learn, that is a learned skill, and you've done a lot of work on it and come a long ways, but it's also a lifelong learning, learned skill. Absolutely. Like something that you can continually practice over and over and over and again.
2: Well, I think too, with polyamory, one of the, to me, one of, it's the, a beauty and a challenge, and that is, I can get really good at communicating with Emma. And then I go to try to communicate with you Shanae, and it's a whole different, like it's not even the same game some days and you're like, well, what the hell? All this shit I just got really good at with one person doesn't necessarily map to somebody else. And I, and so then you have to like, you're now having to almost frame switch every time you talk to somebody. Okay. I'm talking to this partner. I know I need to do it like this. And it, and it probably becomes second nature over time. Mm -hmm. But the, time before it becomes second nature, it's bumpy. And it you you step on each other, you hurt each other, you miss each other.
0: It can be so simple too, right? Like I have a insert blanket term here for somebody that you love um, who doesn't like the word sure, right? Mm-hmm. That is the most random shit in the entire world to me, right? Like, like he will ask me something and I'll be like, sure. And he's like, I hate that word, right? Like, it makes it seem like you don't want to do it. And I'm like, it's an affirmative word, but right. I just, it's a thing, right? People have their things, right? And when you love people, you learn their things. So I just don't say sure to him, right? Like it's really simple. And when I do say sure, I'm like, you know what? I'm sorry. Yes. Yes, I can talk. Yes, I would like to go do this thing, right? And it's sometimes it's it's like, it can be something small like that, or it can be something big. But I think that we show our connection with someone and our commitment to communicating well with them to learn what those things are, right? Like, don't try to have a conversation with me about something important before 10 a.m. Don't Mm -hmm. do it. It's not a good idea. It's not going to go well. I have only, I have not had any coffee and I am up before the sunrise. Absolutely not. Right. It's a thing that you just learn about your people. So I think that idea that when you're when you're relating with n- multiple people, getting good at communicating is relative only to that one person. And then you have to start all over again and learn like how, what do I need to learn to be an effective communicator with this person? Yeah, mm-hmm. I
2: think one of the things I love about it just personally is then I can take that, it, I become faster at adapting. And so then you're out in the world and it could be the cashier, it could be whoever you run into somebody on the street and now you're able to pick up on those things. You're able to adapt and you've got, you've just got a whole different set of tools to interact with people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe you don't get it perfect, but you can almost try on different hats and be like, Oh, I'm getting this vibe. I'm going to try this thing. And you oh, it didn't work. Holy cow. That didn't work at all. So like try something different. And, but it's, I don't know, for me, it's a fun, I don't know, game is it's a a fun way to keep that learning and growing and then you take what you learned out there bring it back to the relationships you bring it from the relationships to the world and they feed off of each other
0: right like absolutely it's about learning to connect with someone it's it's tools for it's like i i immediately i want to make a connection with you and so now i'm dialed into how we can how do we do that
1: Mm
2: -hmm. yeah
0: and i just wanted to comment that it can be a game it is fun and it can also
1: be frustrating as hell, and that's natural. <laughs>
0: and, and, and that's gonna, how you feel about it is just going to depend on like how far apart what this person needs is from what like you need, and yeah. and just how you feel in that day. Like, yeah, exactly.
1: How tired am I? What did did I have any coffee? Is something else going on at work? Like, what what does my kid need today? Like, there's so many factors,
2: right? Or just the straight up, like, maybe I did everything "quote unquote" right, and that person. Was having
0: thing. who yeah. knows who a knows what day. they
2: just want like maybe they just had their car get broken into and their wallets and you're like you're like well, none of those tools I used work and like yeah they were completely in a horrible place and it's just never gonna work right and so right. That's maybe a, they that's had bad
0: lesson. they didn't sleep well last night right and I I think it's human nature to instantly internalize. That like, oh, this happened in this connection or this communication didn't go well. And we immediately think, what didn't I do right? Or what didn't they do right? Right. But sometimes it's just like there's so mo- we're we're so many other things happening in our environment. And that has been, that has been a lesson <clears throat> that polyamory has helped me to learn for sure. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, yeah. thank you for diving into that. I think it's such an important topic. Um, and I'm curious. So you got married, you had a baby, mm-hmm. you were in a, you had a long-term life partnership with someone else as well, who was mm-hmm. also eventually dating your husband. So it was, it was a triad in a way there. Right. Now and can then, go like that. yeah, <laughs> in, in a way, and then moving forward, what did, what, what happens? You, okay. yes, what happened?
0: So we have, um, we have our son and when he is a newborn, newborn, I remember I have been you know, part of polyamorous communities, part of kinky community. Um, and I'm building community on the internet and I meet someone, I meet a woman and I, again, in what you'll come to appreciate is true Shanae fashion, fall madly in love. And, um, so does my partner. Um, so we have with the same person. So we have, we are now, we are now on organic triad number two. (laughs) Um, which is crazy. Um, so we, my partner and I both, um, start dating a beautiful, beautiful woman who didn't live in our state very quickly. We realized that this is probably, this is a big thing. Right. And so we're, you know, we're dating her. Um, we have a newborn. So, you know, she's coming to visit us. We are for longer visits. We're going to see her for smaller visits. Um, and basically eventually quickly, I guess you could say, um, she forms a bond with all of us and with our child. And we realized that our child was supposed to have four parents, not three. Um, so, I mean, from the moment that she first held our son in, in her arms at three months, he has been in her arms ever since and so realizing that, that 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 was the way our family was supposed to be and that was that was the universe's plan for our family um when he was right before his first birthday she moved to georgia um she's always maintained her own residence because that is her preference and also it's just it's you know it's 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 nice to to have the option to be together without the um necessity of being together and so that is the story of how our son got four parents and how, you know, we formed our mostly nested polycule. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I love that term, mostly nested, because <laughs> mm-hmm. it is like you have two homes, <laughs> but it's still with, with bouncing back and forth a lot. Right. Right, And yeah. and,
0: and I think this like this the, that I think the important part is that um we maintain a home with multiple with more than two adults right cuz honestly i don't even know if you could say that two adults is the standard for homes right but like when people think of the nuclear family they think of a family with like a husband a wife and kids and so our family is not at all like that and i think a lot of times what a lot of families non-nuclear families that are polyamorous um, the difference between my family and theirs, right? And not that like it's a competition, but I do have the benefit of having been here for a while. Like this is not a new thing for us that we're just now experiencing. We have been doing this for eight years and counting. Um, and I have made, we've made all the like mistakes. We know all the what, well, I'm not going to say all the mistakes because I'm sure there's more mistakes for us to make, right? But we've done a lot of the introductory things we've talked about finances we've managed finances we've gone through lean times where someone was out of work or um you know better times where everyone's working and everyone's thriving and we've, we've kind of gone through we've um, buried parents and we've dealt with sick parents and We've gone through a lot of the ups and downs of life together. So I get to talk about my experiences and the retrospectives, which I think there is benefit, right? I think it's also benefit in like talking to people as they go through it. Um, And so I've realized that there is a need for me to be more vocal about what's happening and what has happened in my life because I am the voice of experience.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love that so much. and I, I think it as you were talking, it was... You kind of talked about earlier where you're like, Yeah, we started then we started the research and we did all this research. And I think what comes up for me sometimes is there's right, yeah, yeah, learn about attachment theory. It's really important. I agree. I would say read Polysecure even. But polysecure is not gonna help you figure out the logistics of who's gonna be at a funeral or who, how are we going to communicate around somebody just lost their job and we're all moving in together and now somebody feels slighted because they're paying more for those. Those are things that like kind of good luck finding a book about, right? Mm-hmm. There are experiences that you can really only experience and, and learn through the experience. And I think you can pull in skills, right? Communication, maybe learning about personal finance. So a lot of the books, that that aren't even poly related, I think bring in the tools. I don't know. I'm just th- to me, there's just so many skills that don't map perfectly from a, a hetero couple to a Great. mostly nested triad or any group of adults living together.
0: So, Finn, I need you to remember that entire spiel so that when I go on my book tour and I need someone to introduce me, you can explain the reason why the book exists. Right. Because that's the reality. So and look at you moving the conversation along too. what I soon realized as I was like, oh, great, I'm living this life. Let me do some research on how to do it better. I realized that I was writing the book. I I realized that quite early, right? Like I have now surpassed the point at which there is research on this, right? Nobody can tell me, how do you fill out the forms at a school to indicate that this child has four parents, right? How do you set up legally that the, while this child only has two biological parents, this child has two spares. Like, like, how do we, what do we do to make sure that our family is as safe as the laws allow? Right. Mm-hmm. There's so many questions that we had, how do I share our calendars in a way so that I know when you're free, but I also don't have to know the details of your entire workday. Like these are the things, right. That nobody was telling, nobody's teaching, but me. Um, because I am a person, I think that l- the logistics are incredibly important and so much of the polyamorous education and content that's available only talks about the intangibles. It talks about love and jealousy and like, it doesn't talk about who pays the fucking electric bill. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think we just, I think that we have to bring polyamorous content into the reality more, right. Because people don't want to talk about who pays the electric bill. Right. Right. Because my answer is who who goes online and submits the payment or who makes sure there's money in the account? Because in our world, those are two different people. And that's how we specialize and make sure shit happens, right? So I want to have a conversation about that um and so i think that part of my mission and part of my um part of the framework of intentional polyamory is like this is literally how you do it right and this is not how you do it in theory because i'm thinking that this might work this is how how you do it because i've done it all those other ways that doesn't work and now i'm going to tell you a couple of ways that do work Mm -hmm. um so that's I you, you mean, literally, I'm going to hire you and just be like, "Introduce me, please." Awesome, <laughs> yay!
2: I'm happy to do it. Happy <laughs> and, to do and it.
0: And to your point, like these are ways that have worked
1: for you, like, and so that people can take them and adopt them for ways they might work for them, right? And and so, but you found that they worked because you've tried other things that didn't work, <laughs> and and it's a constant evolution,
0: and it's a starting place, right? The reality is because our because our um, society is built around capitalism, heteronormativity and mononormativity, we are like taking those systems and saying those systems don't work for us. Right. But we do have, we have some places where we can start and say, nah, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. This doesn't work. So even if exactly what worked for me doesn't work in your life, my intention is to at least give you a place to start from. Right, because I think a lot of non-monogamous people don't have that place to start from. Like, how do we even start having a conversation about what's financially equitable among three adults that may that all make different amounts of money? Yeah, right. Like, what do what does building like what 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 even things do we need to consider when having that conversation? Right. So I think that there's that we as a community have a lot of work to do as we move into a place where we can say that like. Always are not good ways, right? I think we have a lot of reluctance in our community. Um, people are afraid of being discriminated against, which I think is an extremely valid thing. But I am also, I, I, I want to bring back gatekeeping. I really do. I think that we need to talk about the fact that there are some ways of moving and there are some ways of being in the non-monogamous community that are simply harmful and unethical. And, you know, I'm, I'm the first one to tell you that there are wrong ways to do things. There Mm -hmm. may not be one right way, but there are absolutely a plethora of wrong ways to do things.
2: Yeah. I, that is a message we've, we've shouted as long as we can, right? There's, there isn't a single right way, but we know there are ways that, that really don't work, that are really harmful, that really hurt people. And totally. And I think too, the other thing that, 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 Writing that book and telling the story is, even if it doesn't work exactly for them, it is yet another another piece for them to look at and say, okay, somebody else broke the mold and they not only did they survive, but they're thriving and they're showing me some of the ways they broke the mold. And and maybe they look at all, all of the ways and go, none of Shanae's ways work for me, but now I have the confidence to know I can break her mold. Anybody else's mold and write a new one that does work. It's just that that power to say we can break away from the norm.
0: Yeah, I was um, I think about maybe like two years ago at this point, I was introduced to the concept of possibility modeling, right? (laughs) Which is essentially exactly what you're talking about. Some we need to see people who who we have some something in common with, right? We need to see people who are like us in some important ways, um, act as possibility models to show us that the life that we want is possible for ourselves. Um, and so I actually reflected on my experience and my possibility model. Um, so Avita Sawyers is um, a close friend of mine and also one of my colleagues and I don't have it with me, but I wrote the foreword for her book, which comes out, next month, actually, it comes out in October of 2023. I have to remember that podcasts are like perpetual. So I should say like the book comes out in October, 2023, but in the foreword, I reflect on how important it was for me to have seen someone who I had things in common with openly living a polyamorous life and how I use my privilege, the privilege that I have that where I can be openly polyamorous and and talk about it and do this work to like, hopefully be a possibility model for other people who are like me in some way who want to know that they too can live the life they want to. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. It's amazing. And, and a huge shout out to Avita. and [3] we've got, we, we've interviewed her before. We're interviewing her again this fall to help promote the book. I'm hopeful by the time we get there, it's New York Times best-selling author Evita Sawyer. Yes. But hey, you know, we I
0: wait. like <laughs> my friend and best-selling author. Like I'm so ready.
2: <laughs> I love it. Yes. I love it. Well,
0: I just have a logistical question cuz <laughs> okay. um
1: I wonder if people are thinking this. Like you mentioned like the importance of logistics, the importance of finding the strengths of, ev- of who like everyone's in your polycule, what they can contribute and what their strengths are. Do you have like group meetings do you have like intentional time to like sit and plan all together or how does and we could talk about this for a long time but like just kind of like I'm curious how that
0: how How did we make it work yeah um so the honest the honest to god truth is that the structure around how we do things has loosened through the years. Right. So I would definitely say we used to have very, like we we had a lot to talk about in the beginning, like all relationships are like that. Right. When you're deciding how the money works, when you're deciding how the children work, when you're deciding how social stuff works, right. You, you have a lot of talk. To- it's a lot of talking. So like we used to have a lot of sit downs, not regularly scheduled, but like we need to talk about something. So we do, and we sit down a lot. Right. Those what used to be hour and a half long conversations on the couch have turned into like five minute discussions in the group me. Right. Um, But again, the logistics. Right. Because. It's a group having a quick. An easily accessible methods for group communication is essential, right? So you decide what way you're going to use. We have a family group me We have a family Marco Polo. We share our locations. We share a calendar. These are the things that's the framework that allows our family to seamlessly move without having to sit down for an hour and a half every Sunday. Um, I do think that the best practices when... Um, becoming new to non monogamy when entering non monogamy or when, um, like doing anything new, right? So even, um, I try to like input more frequent check ins when I'm dating someone new or when a partner is dating someone new. Any new things that are happening, I think we up the level of communication until we get used to the newness. So, but I will also say that of the four adults, I do not have a full time job. The rest of them do have full-time jobs for other people. Um, I work for myself, and that also makes me the default parent as well as the logistics coordinator in chief, right? So I'm the one who routinely, not, not to say that my partners don't look at the calendar, but I'm the one who routinely looks at our calendars and makes sure that we have kid coverage. Um, I am like, oh, there's a conflict here, you know, Two people are supposed to be out of town. We do tend to, unless we're all intentionally going somewhere together, we like to operate again immense parental privilege. But we like to operate it as we call two our skeleton crew. And honestly, because we've gotten used to parenting as a foursome, two feels like a skeleton crew. And I'm like, how do people do this all the time? Like he talks to me a lot, y'all. Like when it, when when all four of us are not here it's a lot. So we, you know, I am the one that's like forecasting for our calendar and I'm the one that's like budgeting in advance. Like May through July is like hell on our budget. We have like my birthday and our wedding anniversary and mother's day. And there's three of us. Um, and then we have my son's birthday and father's day. And my other partner's birthday. And that's just May and June, right? So like somebody has to plan those celebrations. Someone has to budget for those celebrations. Someone has to like keep the world from knocking off its axis while we're trying to, to do all those things. And that's my role. I do, I do that work, right? So it's a lot of emotional labor. It's a lot of mental labor but that's what I've chosen to do. That's the role that I play. Um, I also, you know, don't worry that when I go to pay the electric bill, there's no money in the account to do so. Right. So one of the best takeaways that, um, one of the best pieces of advice that I can give to people as they are like being very intentional about planning their non-monogamous life is to be very upfront about your trade-offs, right? Like be, understand that there is give and take in all relationships so know what you're willing to give know what you want to receive and hold yourself to the standard of like hey this is what I said I was give and being able to communicate if your capacity changes Um, those things are really really important to being able to be happy in the long term in your relationships
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for expanding on that. I just wanted to touch on that a little bit because just curiosity of how you all make it work.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, I think it's, it's not much different than a small business, right? That you, you, you go into a small business, right? You've got maybe the engineer who's designing the thing. You, you don't want him boxing that thing, right? You don't want him being the shipping guy and you don't want him to be the marketing guy. And so, you know, could he put out a marketing flyer or could they? Yeah, probably, but it's not going to be real great. And so I think you find where do you thrive and then you all pitch in and it's not, well, Shanae does 97% of the things and everybody else is just hanging out in the living room waiting for you to get done, right? You said like, I might pay the bill, but somebody made sure that money was there and you don't you don't even have to go and look in the bank account. You just know I can click pay and it's not going to bounce. We're not going to get an overdraft like that's somebody else's job and they're doing theirs because you're doing yours and you're doing yours because they're doing theirs. And it's the, the synchronicity of it all.
0: And, that, and that's, that's absolutely true. I think that it's really funny that you said all that because I was raised as an entrepreneur. My mother, my entire life, my mom quit um her, the last job where she worked for someone else when I, the year I was born. So my mom was an entrepreneur, has been an entrepreneur my entire life. So I have a very entrepreneurial background and I've been running small businesses my entire life. I also went to school for marketing so I, and my husband is an engineer, which why why the, all of that was really funny, right? We <laughs> definitely don't want the engineer managing the calendar, but everyone can be better at that thing they do if they can specialize, right? So like, and I think it's really important to just like make some, some essential call outs, right? Because, a lot of, in our society, a lot of the work that is traditionally labeled women's work Mm -hmm. is not valued nearly as highly, right? But the real reality is that three people, um, my, my decision to be a default parent allows my partners to be able to pursue their careers at max capacity, right? They don't have to worry about How this decision is going to show up to my parenting because, I mean, like long term, yes, right? But like, for instance, one of my partners decided to make a career change in the past couple of years, right? And that, that required basically doing the work of working two jobs, right? So like working your day job and then learning another ta, another skill after work and what that required from me was doing a, a larger percentage of the parenting than normal. But again, because we're a unit who is working together toward financial goals, I was like, yeah, like we're going to do that for 18 months. Cause that makes sense for you to like change your career and put us in a better financial place. Right. That is the synergy. That ability is the synergy that like years and years of working together brings. And those those were the kind that's the kind of collaboration that I wanted in my life. And the four of us have figured out how to do that for one another. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And that it's a system, right? And that you yeah. look at that and go, well, okay, this is 18 months, maybe two years. And throughout that, right, you're maybe covering or even balancing in a way that it's not necessarily impacting that partner's ability to be a parent or show up. Right. You're not like, Yeah, sorry, son, you know. Pfft. He's just not here because you don't, you know you don't you don't throw people under the bus. It's right, you, you know you're you're like hey yeah we're doing extra we're doing this we're doing that and it's a season it's a season of life it's not the new norm it's not so I just yeah I love that it, it, and even
0: oh, the wow. way we communicate about it to our son right mm-hmm. like like you know Ma is working on a project so that she can change jobs and ultimately spend more time with you yep. right yep. but. In the meantime, right. Like we, and, and we, we put it in terms he can understand too. Right. Like we talk about it. We're like, Hey, my, you really like going to the beach and we are like trying to get more money so we can go to the beach more often. Like, you know, and that's, re- that's the re- that reality. Right. Sometimes I have to do that to myself. Sometimes I'm like, yo, like, I really don't feel like getting up and doing these coaching sessions. I would like to lay in bed. Right. But I was like, but that plane ticket that you need to book. You know what I mean? Like you sometimes you have to treat yourself like an eight-year-old, right? So I think that being we, what do you say? A Give yourself talk. talks. <laughs> Yeah. But I think it's essential that we all I think there is an amount of like honesty and transparency that the way we live our lives breeds that is just for me personally is refreshing, right? Mm-hmm. I am honest about, you know some days of my life are incredibly glamorous, right? Some days I can lay in bed, you know, all day until I go get a pedicure and pick up my son. And that is my day. Now, some days of my life are absolute hell where I have four hours of coaching sessions, a sick kid, a sick partner, and I have a date, right? Like, and that's not an exaggeration. That has absolutely been one of my days, but it just depends, right? I have accepted a variability to my life, that I enjoy. Right. I enjoy that. And so I think everybody just needs to figure out, like, what is my what what would my relational life look like if I was really in a joyful place? Right. What is what would my life look like if I woke up every day and didn't dread it? <laughs> you know? Because our society has taught us that we're not supposed to be happy. And I think we have to like leave that behind and say like, joy and pleasure and like spending time with people who care about me are essential to my life. And if I put those things in first, how do I fit the necessary things around it? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Because right. If you, if you can meet your need, just, I think looking at it purely from a money perspective, right. I can go out and I can meet all of my needs for or maybe even a simpler, I can make dinner for $15. I don't need to make dinner for $200, right? And so if you can Mm. figure out a way to get your life needs met by putting out this level of effort, and then you can spend the rest of it enjoying it, you don't need to work three jobs, you don't need to do all of the things that everybody else says you should do, because you're happy, you're fulfilled, you're living the life you want. And it only takes a percentage of your resources, not 150 percentage of your resources.
0: Right. And so I think it's just the, the, the way that I, I was raised very communally. I was raised to like have chosen family. And so I, I tend to have like a very global view Mm-hmm. of like what's best for all of us. Right. And so I play, like I I am, I'm big picture, right? Like what is really best for all of us. And I think everybody just wants to kind of be, be able to be in community where they can look out for the unit, right. Whatever, whatever your unit looks like. But, and I, and I'm finding in my coaching practice that People, if, if people were raised in very nuclear families and in very insular situations, it never even occurs to them that they can do something different. Mm-hmm. Somebody was like, well, what do you do about money? Because it's not like you can put multiple names on a bank account.
2: <laughs> yep. Yeah.
0: And I was like, yeah, you can. You can not <laughs> just put three names on a bank account. You absolutely can do that. And I, and I literally asked him, I was like, how do you think businesses run? and like it had just never occurred to them that you can have multiple like you know and so I think some of it is breaking down like our ideas of what Mm -hmm. is supposed to be and just like you can change that you can do different things yeah yeah
2: possibility modeling (laughs) I mean yeah there's and it's funny that you say that because there are some things that are what we would sit here and say so completely basic but that's the same for everywhere. Like, you know, your husband's an engineer and I'm sure you went in to try to do his job and you would probably not do a great job of it. And he's like, I learned that day one of engine like that's the most basic thing in the world. You're like, Yeah, but oh, nobody But nobody ever taught me that you could put three names on a bank account, right? Or nobody even taught me how to open a bank account. Like we've we've met those people. They've like, I've never done it. I right. I, I don't even I talk, know.
0: I talked to so many parents who are like like who have this, because they were raised in the binary. Right. And they're like, well, how do you parent with more than two people? And I'm like the same way. Some people parent with only one person. Like you you just adapt and change. Right. Like even there were some like thoughts that I did, I kind of built up in my head that haven't been an issue. Right. So when we enrolled our son in public school, I was like, Oh my God, like how do we have these conversations? You guys, he is currently in the third grade. I have never had a question no one has ever asked and I've never had to have this conversation that I was, I've been like, that I spent like a whole summer dreading. Right. So I think a lot of what happens to people in polyamorous relationships is that they imagine that like everybody cares about them in a way that they don't like really, nobody really cares. Y'all. That's like, that's the biggest thing that I wish I could like share with people. Like nobody's watching your life like a soap opera. Everybody is like so caught up in their own worlds that if you just like be cool, Do live your life and be cool and don't feel like you have to make these like huge pronouncements to people who are not paying your bills everything will be okay (laughs) i love that yes yeah thank you for that
1: too uh we could as finca a little bit ago we could talk to you all day uh (laughs) but in interest of time we'd love for you to talk a little bit about your business and whatever else you want to get out there in the world today
0: Okay. So as we kind of have been talking about throughout the podcast, the the gap that I have seen in polyamorous education and resources, right? There are not enough polyamorous resources that tell you how to do things. Right. There is a lot of talk about theory and not a lot of conversation about polyamorous reality. Right. Like what give me some real examples of what polyamorous people are actually doing? What things are working for them? What kinds of, of framework do you have in place? How do you do things? And so as I kind of figured out in my head, like, what have I done? Right. Like, how did I get here? How have I made polyamory work for me? And are those things transferable? That is how, um, the idea of intentional polyamory was, was born, right? So intentional polyamory is a four pillar framework that tells you there are four main areas, um, where you can be intentional about creating a life That supports your love style, right? Because some people just want to be polyamorous. But if you want to live polyamorously, you need to pay attention to the four pillars. And the four pillars, the first pillar is self work, right? It starts with yourself. Have you, do you know who you are and do you know what you want? Do you know what you're good at? Do you know what you're bad at? And are you seeking support in all of those areas, right? So, like for me, you can't, you can, I do not interact with people who are not in active therapy it's a thing for me that's that's what i need right um the second pillar is a relational culture and relational culture speaks to what does it feel like to be in relationship with you and what does your relationship with each of your partners feel like what do we do here how do we do things how do we speak to one another How do we like, how do I want you to feel as you engage with me? And how do I want my community? How do I want my family? How do I want people to feel in relationship to me? The third pillar is information sharing. What do you know about me? What do you know about my life? What things do we share? Passively, like perhaps sharing a calendar or sharing locations. And what do things do we share intentionally? Like, do we have preset places where, Hey, if if there's a status change in any of my relationships, I will let you know, right? If I, if a relationship that was previously non-sexual becomes sexual, will I let you know about that? Um, how do we share information about our sexual health? Right. So working through those things and setting up places where you regularly check in about them. And then the fourth pillar is community, um, because relationships do not thrive in bubbles. Um, and so if you are a non-monogamous person trying to be non-monogamous without any non-monogamous community, it's unlikely to go well, right? So the fourth pillar is something that I really I think people don't pay enough attention to. It's really important to just have a polyamorous friend that you can call and say, Hey, am I tripping? Am I crazy? Am I the asshole? Right? Like if you need to have, because one of the frustrations that newbies often talk about is like, I don't have anyone to confide in about what's happening. I don't have anyone to talk to. I don't have a mirror. Right. And so it's helpful to have people who genuinely know us, like who we have led into and in, into our bubble, who know us and able to participate in the community and also give back to that community. Because again, the participating in community is how you then become a possibility model. hmm Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, that it's not just what can you take from the community, but what can you give back? And, and I think, too, there's the, the, I mean, fact that when you teach something, you learn it in a way that you couldn't have learned it just by being taught, right? And so turning around, sharing that knowledge, you know, holding space for somebody like that's incredibly powerful.
0: Right. And so and I have it has been extre- it's been transformative for me to teach intentional polyamory. Um, I teach intentional polyamory in small cohorts of 20 people or less that go through the program in six weeks. Um, and so it's about as we attach as we work on the pillars, both independently and together, we take, um, you know, a week of preparation. Then we spend a week on each pillar and then we have an integration week. It, it, it builds lifetime bonds, right? Like the, the amount of support that, that is, that happens, it has, just, it has been life changing for me. Um, and then just taking the model of intentional polyamory and working with people one on one, um, whether, you know, one on one or one on two or three. So I work with couples, I work with individuals, um, I work with polycules and really, intentional polyamory can be applied at any point, right? So maybe we're starting new, maybe we're new to non-monogamy and trying to figure out how to do it. Or maybe we've run into some road bumps, some roadblocks, some things that aren't working, um, in your polyamorous configuration or, you know, or your, you know, some form of non-monogamy. One thing that happens a lot is that like people naturally realize that I'm more non-monogamy, I'm more like, Um, amorphously non-monogamous, but I have a, I have a partner who's polyamorous and how do we bridge that gap? Right. So those, all of those things are things that I explore in my coaching. And it's really, I, I have been really enjoying being able to talk to people one-on-one and being willing to answer questions and not, uh, I'm going to try to like avoid a rant. Right. But it's really important for me to say, I am not a peer support. That's not what I do here. Right. Um, I think a lot of people shy away from identifying themselves as an authority, which I understand and I'm okay with that, but that's not, that's not me. I'm perfectly okay with identifying myself as an authority. I've done a lot of work here. I know what I'm doing and I'm willing to help you if you don't know what you're doing. Right. So I will give you advice. I will tell you that's not a good idea. I'm not going to tell you, well, you know, you can do what you want. I mean, obviously you can do what you want, but if you do that, you're going to burn and crash. Right. So, um, you know, I think it's really, I like to, to make sure that people know like who I am and what I do. Right. Because if you want somebody who's just going to like, listen and co-sign your bullshit, don't come to me. There's other people that are less expensive that will do that for you, but that's not what I'm here for. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No,
1: thank you for all of that. And for, um, just sharing so much about your story and about your work. What is the best way for people to find you?
0: So the best way for people to find me, I'm at Shanae Speaks anywhere on the internet. So you can find me at Shanae Speaks on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Um, and if you want to just send me an email, if like you've listened to this and you have questions or you can, um, if you go to any of my social media, you'll find my link tree where you can make, book an appointment with me. You can book um, an introductory call or you can send me an email, which is also just Shanae Speaks at Gmail. So yeah. Um, I've, try- I've tried to make it relatively easy for people to find me. <laughs> awesome. Perfect.
2: And we'll make it even easier. Links to everything you just said will be in our show notes. So people don't have to remember anything at all. They can go <laughs> find them and click on it. Mm-hmm. And we highly encourage it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Thank you, Shanae, for everything today. I believe, I believe. We've overcome all the technical difficulties. We we canceled it out.
0: Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Listen, I, I just know that we we've we've made magic. We set out to make magic and we were going to. Yes. We did we indeed. Did, we is, did.
2: Is there any final thoughts you wanted to share with the world before we let you go this afternoon?
0: Um, I think that's it. I I do want to encourage people to absolutely, um, grab a copy of the polyamory devotional. Um, it's, it's amazing. And it's basically set up as, you know, it it is also in response to the idea that like, there aren't books made for how polyamorous people live on a daily basis. Right. And so it's like one a day, just open it, read it one a day. It's a really awesome book. Um, it, it is, and I, and I want to just tell people too, to like, if you're struggling right now and you're afraid to reach out for help, please do reach out for help somewhere because there is no, you know, there's no badge of honor in struggling through it and figuring out on yourself. If there is wisdom to be found about how to do things better, seek it out.
2: Yeah. You don't, you don't get a platinum polyamory medal if you did it by yourself versus if you did it with a community. <laughs> yeah absolutely yes. yeah and that book the devotional that is Avita's book just to be clear and we'll yes. make sure that it won't be out by the time this comes out but we will make sure to
0: update the. Oh, it's update. available for pre-order you can already you can already pre-order it
2: perfect then we will have that link so wonderful all right i that, think that's it think that's for now
1: it. i know we could talk all afternoon as we said but thank we'll do you it so- again
2: we'll do it again when your book comes out shall
1: yes. yes absolutely <laughs> yes For sure. Thank you so much for your time today, for re-recording, and for making magic with us. (laughs) Absolutely. And we're back. Thank you so much, Shanae, for everything that you shared, for the amazing work that you do. We're so excited for Evita's book, and we're also excited for your book, eventually. And thank you for recording with us twice.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm... I'm grateful that we get to do this twice and even though nobody else gets to experience it twice. Yes.
1: It was a fabulous conversation both times and we're just so grateful for the connection, Sinead, and to get this out there.
2: Plus I got hired during this episode. That's true, you did. I'm now a book tour promoter. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be That's the awesome. I'll be the MC for Sinead's book tour someday.
1: <laughs> a quick reminder to You can go to the podcast show notes or the links in your podcast player to find links to everything that Shanae talks about today.
2: Yes, ma'am. And, well, I was going to say what we have next week, but there's actually something else coming. Tonight. Tonight, well, yes, there's a there's a virtual meet and greet <laughs> a tonight. Quick,
1: a quick a virtual meet and greet tonight. that's September twentieth, twenty twenty three, and if you miss it tonight, and it, this is past September twentieth, don't worry, there'll be more. Just go to our website under the events tab, and you can find out when to sign up for the next one.
2: Yeah, well, now there's like extra more things.
1: Yes, because there's another thing coming too.
2: Multiple things. So tomorrow, drum roll. Tomorrow Tomorrow
1: you mean Friday.
2: No, I don't, I mean tomorrow.
1: Oh, there's oh there's so much. You're right.
2: We keep <laughs> we keep it real here in the outro. We don't have any clue what we're doing.
1: So tonight, September twentieth, that's a Wednesday, there's a virtual meet and greet. Tomorrow, that's Thursday, September twenty-first, there is
2: There is a real-life, in-person speed dating event, a non-monogamous speed dating event in Oakland that will be hosted by myself and co-hosted by Marie Tween, who is a former guest on the show. She was on Focus Friday's episode somewhere middle of season two. She's a
1: dating coach.
2: She's a dating coach.
1: And badass. And
2: a badass and an amazing human. So she's going to co-host with me tomorrow because Emma's going to be in grad school. Yes. Wah, wah. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So we're going to be tearing it up. I'm going
1: to miss you all, but. We're
2: going to tear it up in Oakland, and we're excited for that. So you can find out more, again, in our podcast player show notes. There are links to sign up and join us.
1: And last but not least, Friday.
2: Friday. That's the other thing we have coming. Drum roll,
1: drum roll that I can't do right now. Yeah,
2: you're crushing the drum
1: rolls. (laughs) (laughs) We will have a special episode announcement coming on Friday. So stay tuned in your podcast player for a announcement coming Friday morning.
2: Make sure you put your seatbelts on. Yes. Because it's going to get crazy. Yes. And fun.
1: Yes, we're excited. We're excited. So stay tuned. Come back Friday and listen to our announcement. And then come back again next Wednesday. We have an interview with Rachel Lark, which is amazing.
2: Yeah, you probably recognize that name, listeners, as she's been on Dan Savage a whole bunch of times. She's a musician who writes amazing songs about... Amazing things, but a lot about polyamory and love and sex and breaking out of all the norms that yes. we get pumped into us. So she's here to pump some tunes into your ears and, and break you out of that funk you're in.
1: And also tell her story.
2: That too. So yeah.
1: lots to look forward to. Thank you for sticking with us in this outro.
2: And we are grateful to confuse you. We love confusing you. So we did a good job today.
1: Email us if you have any questions.
2: Yes, and we will. You can
1: find that information on the contact form on our website.
2: We will see you all next week or tonight or tomorrow or Friday.
1: Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.